grateful for the hearing, reading, and understanding of this word. Let us pray. Oh God, we thank you for your holy word, for these scriptures. Lord, we continue to pray this morning that you would speak to us, whether it was something in the scripture we've already heard or words in the coming moments, Lord, help us to open our ears and our hearts to continue to hear from you. And Lord, I pray that you would speak through me and speak in spite of me. In Jesus' name, amen. So a couple nights this week, I just couldn't help but to be amazed once again by the beauty of creation. Uh, to see the, the moon in the sky as the sun was going down, or uh, to see the beautiful starry night out in the backyard. And, and this, those sort of things just always help me to stop and to pause and to, to not be so busy in the, in the midst of life and to stop and just remember that, that God is, is right there, that God is the creator of, of me, of all things, of of heaven and earth. And you know, I, I heard recently that to really take in something like a starry sky or a sunset or, you know, we have to, we have to really stare at it and gaze at it for, for several moments before we can just really take it in. And, and it's important to do that. And I took time to do that a couple times this week and it was just kind of one of those moments where in the midst of a crazy time and, or in the midst of busyness that I could just stop and remember who God was and who God is in my life. And staring at the beauty and wonder of God's creation, or as Psalm 19 says in verse 1, heaven is declaring God's glory. The sky is proclaiming his handiwork. And one of the many ways we can stop and just soak in the present moment and just say, God, you're awesome. You're amazing. I love you. You know, one of the things that, um, that happens in life, as we've talked about before, is that God reveals God's very own self to us in many different ways, in worship or in creation and in conversations and on mission trips and all sorts of things. And in the midst of that revelation that we experience and get from God, it invites us to respond. How do we respond to what God is doing in our lives and what, what God is showing to us? And, you know, this is a little what we talked about last week, about the idea of Christian worship. When we come together on Sunday mornings and worship together, corporate worship as some call it, is that part of the worship experience involves God's revelation and also our response. And last week we looked at Paul's story a little bit, the Apostle Paul, how he was, you know, going to Damascus with, with papers in hand and and to, to persecute and snuff out the early church that was proclaiming that Jesus had been resurrected from the dead. And, um, you know, as a good Jew who felt like uh, this was not good, he, he was trying to, to snuff that out and, until he met Christ and was blinded on the road. And, and, um, and then God sent Ananias to, to heal him and to heal his sight. And then Paul uh, had a response to the revelation that he received from Christ. And his response was then to go out into the world and proclaim the good news, to become uh, a disciple of the risen Christ, and to go to the ends of the earth and, and preach this good news not only to the Jews, but to people who were not Jews, that we call Gentiles. And this was, this was Paul's response to the revelation that he received. And we talked about how, how are we responding to what God has done in our life and what God is still doing and what God will continue to do. So when we worship we can remember that we're responding to all that God has done. 
Worship can be seen as just living in that grateful response back to God for the grace and love that God has shown us. Or as we put it last week in a definition, that worship is an expression of a relationship in which God the Father reveals himself and his love in Christ and by his Holy Spirit administers grace in which we respond with faith, gratitude, and obedience. That we respond to this great love of God through faith, through gratitude, being grateful, and through our obedience and following the teachings of Jesus. Uh, Luke's birthday, um, my son Luke, his birthday was yesterday. Uh, he turned the big O9, and uh, we had some family uh, over and, and, and a friend, and you know, uh, there was an invitation given by, by Emily and I. There was an invitation to say, hey, will you come over um, and have, you know, some pizza and ice cream or whatever with us? Will, will you come? So that was extended to them, to family, and they responded, and they came. They were invited into the home. Things were prepared. They were welcomed as they entered the home. They were sat with and, and, and in dialogue. We were in dialogue with the people who entered into the church parsonage. And it was a time of conversing. It is a time of welcoming. Have you ever considered worship being something like that? But the host is God. And that when we come into this house, into this space, God has called us together and that God has invited you once again by name to come into this place for worship and that God is the host in Christ serving as that host for the worship experience. I don't know about you, but that can kind of change our motivation, my motivation of what it looks like to come into worship, that God is, is, is inviting us back, is inviting all of us, no matter who you are, to come and worship Come and be a part of this set-apart community of love and grace and forgiveness. And, and our response and your response today, whether you feel like you were dragged here or not, your response was yes. Because you have come and you are here and you are present. You know, this morning, the New Testament scripture reading that I read highlights some really important aspects of worship. And when you read the story of the road to Emmaus, you wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily think, oh, this is about worship. But there are so many important things that can teach us, that this scripture could teach us about Christian worship. But just a little background, before you go into this scripture that we read, the beginning, uh, the first 12 verses of chapter 24 are all about the resurrection of Christ, according to the gospel writer Luke. How the stone was rolled away and how Jesus' body had been resurrected and, you know, um, yeah, it's October, but I'll preach on Easter. It's fine, you know? This is our defining story. This is who we are as Christians, is that we follow the resurrected Christ. And, you know, he's not in the tomb anymore. That is our defining story. Anyway, two men are in dazzling clothes. The women are terrified around the tomb, and they learn that Jesus is no longer here. He's been risen. So they left the tomb, and they went, and they shared that news. And Peter, who, the one who recently denied Jesus, ends up running to the tomb to see it for himself. And he was amazed at what had happened. He was truly amazed. 
So as all this is taking place, the scripture says on the same day that all of this is taking place, you have two of these men walking seven miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus. They're journeying to this village. There's a lot of uh, villages in uh, Palestine and places that were called Emmaus, so um, this was one of them. And as they're walking and journeying, um, it's, it's quite an amazing story. They're taking a walk, they're discussing things like many of us do when we go for walks, and maybe we like going for walks with people and just talking, and, you know, some crazy things have just gone down. Jesus had been through a crazy week. Jesus had experienced a brutal execution on the cross, and as you can imagine, as they're talking, um, they're sad, they're hurt, they're confused, and in the midst of that, none other than guess who, the resurrected Christ, shows up. I just love that, that, you know, Jesus isn't showing up in front of 10,000 people, but he just sees these two men on the road and just joins them as a resurrected one. And he's just walking with them, and, and he's talking with them, and Jesus says, what are you all talking about? That's the New Revised Sussex County version of the Bible. <laughs> and, and Cleopas says, uh, basically says, how, how do you know? How, how do you not know what's been going on? What do you mean, what are you talking about? Have you been around here recently? Do you not know what has happened? Have you been living behind a rock? And Jesus just said, well, I've been behind a team for three days, but uh, took care of that problem. But they're just wondering, how, how, I mean, have you ever experienced that with somebody? Somebody says um, something, you're like, how did you not hear about this? How did you not know? Like, where have you been living? Did you not hear about this? How does that make sense? Where are you from? Like, what's going on? Everybody knows about this. And yet they're sitting there and they're talking, and surely there's some emotion there too because they're, they're just saddened and, and grief-stricken. And, but they still didn't know it was Jesus. You know, Jewish travelers uh, always welcomed fellow Jews to join them on roads. So it wasn't uncommon for just a stranger to come among them and to walk. And it was uh, Passover anyway. So it, they could have just thought Jesus was a, a pilgrim, just heading back to wherever he was from, from Passover. But, but the two men, as the story goes on, we see that as they get close to the village of Emmaus, Jesus begins to walk ahead of them. And then they stop and they urge Jesus to stay with them, still not knowing that it is Jesus. And perhaps they're trying to be hospitable, you know, since it's the end of the day, and, you know, just stay with us. So Jesus stays with them, and as Luke records, they're all at a table breaking the bread together, and as soon as Jesus took the bread and blessed it and broke it, their eyes were open. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that just at the breaking of bread, all of a sudden they're thinking, no way. It's him. He is here. He is alive. We are seeing this with our own eyes as we sit down at the table and are in fellowship with him. This is Jesus. And in that moment, Jesus vanishes from their sight. And they realized after Jesus was gone, oh my gosh, there was something in our hearts as we were walking down that road where our hearts not burning. Wasn't there something about him? How did we not see this before? 
And they took that experience that they had and they went back to Jerusalem and they shared the experience that Jesus had had with them. They didn't keep it to themselves. They went and began to share it. You all are not going to believe what just happened. As we were walking to Emmaus, you might want to sit down because this is crazy. But we saw it with our own eyes. You know, um, there's a popular um, thing that, that people do now called escape rooms. Have you been to an escape room? Uh, we went to one one time in uh, Newark, and um, it was a Harry Potter escape room. And um, I walked in with um, some family, and I walked into this uh, little room, and I'm kind of claustrophobic. Like, I don't like uh, being in a small room, especially with a lot of people. And um, I'm immediately, when we get in there and they lock us in, I'm like, this is a little uncomfortable already. Like, I'm ready to get out. Let's uh, go ahead and escape. And um, they give you like an hour and 15 minutes or whatever it was, and you had to get out within that. And I'm like, oh, Lord, like, we, like where's the emergency exit? You know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm just not enjoying it already. And this is this tiny room, and um, you had to figure out a code to, like, get out the other door. And, um, you know, they're watching you on the TV the whole time, and they tell you, like, don't touch that or something if you're going to break something. And there, so there's people watching you. Well, anyway, we figured out, uh, I didn't figure out anything, but I was sitting there and um, <laughs> eventually the smart people around me figured out <clears throat> that the uh, code to the door was in the pipes on the wall. So if you step back and look at the pipes coming up and down the wall, it, it was like 412 or something. I was like, oh my gosh, how do you figure that out? And then they punched the number in and, and then we got out the door and it was amazing. So we left that room and I'm thinking like, that was awesome. And then it was another room. And then we had to figure out how to get the horcruxes, is that what it is, that kills Voldemort? Yep. And uh, so we had to get the seven horcruxes or whatever they are, and, and, and it was just room after room. It was a whole journey um, through room to room, and each room was a different experience, but it was all the same journey that we were on. And I think of that um, in relation to worship a little bit this morning, because when we come and together and we go through a worship service, we're journeying together with God as we, as we um, come, even from the moments we, we get out of our doors and, or we're walking across the field to get here, you know, we're, we're, we're just, uh, we come and the worship begins as we enter and we fellowship with each other and all of these things. But there's, there, there's ways to think about worship as rooms, as we're journeying through a house, so to speak, with God. And there's different aspects, um, even in Scripture, that teach us what it looks like to worship. So I want to share that with you today, because in this story, this is some things that we see when it comes to the Emmaus story. We see one thing that happens is that Christ approaches his followers. We see that Christ engages them in the Scriptures. We see that Christ's identity is made known in the context of table fellowship. That's where Jesus is revealed. And then we see that Christ eventually inspires them to go and to tell the story. And this is an example of what Christian worship can look like when we come and when we gather together. So imagine, if you will, that as we worship each week, that we are going into, into these four different rooms and that we're invited by God to experience these things. And worship is a, is a journey where these 
uh, four rooms are, are in many scripture stories. But I just want to talk about two of them today and then two next week. But the first uh, part of worship uh, that we see in the tradition of the church and in scripture is that there is a time of gathering. The first room of worship is, is gathering. You know, what do you do when you have people over to your house, you know, when they gather, when they come? How is it you want them to feel as they enter? What is it that you want them uh, to do? You know, this is a time where, where we enter every single week in these doors, and we walk into this church, and we come into this sanctuary, and we're all coming from different homes, different places, different ages, different states, different counties. We're coming from all different places. Some of us may be happy some weeks, some of us may be angry, some of us may be uh, frustrated or, or extremely impatient or distracted. You know, the list can go on and on. A lot of that has to do with our own life and what's going on and what our weeks look like before we come in here or what's coming up the following week. And you know, but one thing that we all have in common is that we're here and that we're gathered and that we're in this place together and we're reminded that we're not alone and that we can be transformed by God's grace into that community that goes out into the world and reflects Christ's love. So in this scripture this morning, we see the two disciples beginning their journey, and they're discouraged. They're discouraged because what happened to Christ in the recent days. They're, they're confused. They're frustrated. They're emotional. Do you ever come to church feeling like that? If we were honest, we do. Sometimes we, are, we can put on the, the act and the face. And, but sometimes, if we're honest, that's how we are. Like those disciples walking down the road. And, you know, you're in good company if you feel like that sometimes. And, but in the midst of this emotional place that they were, Christ came and approached them. Christ came and hung out with them and was in their midst. Jesus entered their world and what they were going through. Jesus entered their journey. He expresses interest in them. And when you come to worship every single week, and when you come into this place, we remember that it is God who invites us. It is God who gathers us together. And it's, a, it's our response to be here. And it's our response and God's call for us here. We've been invited to come and to meet God together. God calls us to worship in which we joyfully respond. Worship, is, worship becomes more than just a public meeting about God, but worship becomes a public meeting with God. And we worship, and we're in fellowship, and it's beautiful. And the purpose of this gathering aspect, this, this first room of worship, is to unite us in Christ is to do away with all those things that may distract us. And this part of the service prepares us for the reading of Scripture or the interpretation of Scripture, or the sermon that is on that day. And when we gather each Sunday, we typically come with this attitude of even though everything's going on and, you know, there, there's still a reason to praise. There's still a reason to have joy. There's still a reason to celebrate all that God has done. And we gather in that spirit of love and grace. And in t typically, that first room of worship, of the worship experience, includes uh, greetings. It includes uh, joy. It includes uh, singing songs of praise like we do. It includes prayer. It includes um, even a call to worship sometimes where there's a responsive reading, uh, where we all say together something that centers our uh, attention on, on what is to come 
in the service, and we remind ourselves in this gathering room that, that God is present with us. And these sort of things help us to begin our journey of public worship together. And we spend, as we spend time in this room, we transition in this journey of worship to the second room of the service, which is called the Word. And this is a time in the service where, well, at least in the scripture we see, Jesus begins to address the dilemma that is going on. He begins to talk about scripture with them. Jesus proclaims words about the prophets of the past. He talks about Moses, and he interprets those scriptures of Moses and all the prophets. And Jesus proclaimed the scriptures, but he also interpreted them. And part of the the journey in worship includes hearing the Word of God, hearing Scripture being read in front of us, and then a word that may relate to our daily lives from a sermon on that day. I can remember in the uh, previous church I was at, uh, there was a lady one day who came to the church, and she walked in, and we were doing like the, you know, greeting time and passing the peace or whatever, and we were you know, um, doing that, and this uh, woman comes straight up to me, um, and I hadn't met her before, she was new, and she just looked at me, and, and she said, I got to tell you, um, I came to church this morning, and I just need to hear God tell me something, and I, I need you to speak it to me, and I need you to tell me, I, I just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing what God's going to say to you, to me, through you, and I was like, oh, um, and sometimes even as pastors, you can get into the routine of just doing a sermon and, and going through the motions and things like that. And I realized in that moment, oh my God, there are people who, who come and, and want to hear something of relevance in their life from the pastor of the church and in the sermon. And there's a huge weight and responsibility in that and a fear and a, and a oh my gosh, and you know, people actually stop and, and listen to what I have to say for 20 or 30 minutes every Sunday. It's like this, this is, can be intimidating, and, and people want to hear a word. And then I have to remember what it felt like before I was a pastor to, to be eager to hear the, the sermon that morning and, and all of these things. And this is such an important part of the worship experience. But hearing the word of God read is so important. And that's why recently I've I've, I've also added an Old Testament scripture reading in each week because we need to hear the story. We need to hear the, uh, the scriptures uh, of the Old Testament and the New Testament, and, and this is part of, part of our journey. But as we're in this room of worship of the Word, things that, that take place might be, you know, a time of reflective silence. Where is God speaking to me? Or it might be uh, singing um, uh, a worship song that sings some of the scriptures, one of the Psalms or something, or maybe it's a video clip that relates to the sermon that day, or, or just a variety of, of scripture readings. But that's an important aspect of the service, and it's what Jesus showed the, 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 the men as they journeyed on the road to Emmaus. I've had plenty of experiences in my own life where I've been welcomed into people's homes. I've walked in and there's been a warm greeting or uh, make yourself at home kind of thing. And 
Um, I'm like, great, you got any milk? I'll go get some uh, glass of milk, you know? No, I don't do that. But there's just great hospitality. There, there's such a warm sense of love, of calm. Like, like, we want you to feel loved. We want you to feel welcome as you enter into this space. We want to learn from you. We want you to learn from us. Those are beautiful experiences. And as we come and we worship, this is the type of beautiful experience we can have. And as I said last week, if we're not thinking about why we're doing what we're doing, we can just kind of go through the motions. Why are we coming to worship? Why is it important to us? These are questions we reflect on, but also we see the importance of it in Scripture. We see the importance of it in our own lives. I know um, I can't miss Sundays anymore, obviously, but before I was a pastor, when I would miss Sundays, I can remember thinking, I feel void. Like, if I went two weeks without going to church, I'd be like, oh, something's up. Like, I, I need that. I need that community. I need that family. I need that worship. I need that experience of being together as the body of Christ. So I want you this week to just reflect on that. What does it look like to come and to gather what does it look like? Basically, the gathering is a time that we come and direct our attention on God. We put away distractions and we, we, we direct our attention to God. And then in, in the part where, of the service where we focus on the word, the written word and spoken word, that we remember that God is speaking through the Holy Spirit and that, that the, these words in Scripture have relevance to our lives and if there's something even in a sermon that says, oh, that was for me, I needed to hear that today, then that's a blessing too. So we're going to talk about the, the next two rooms of worship next week. But this week, I want you to think about what it looks like to gather, what it looks like to put your attention on God, and what it looks like to be hungry to hear the Word of God and to read the Word of God. So as you go into your week, each and every morning or at night, Draw your attention to God, put away those distractions, and focus on Scripture. Focus on reading that Word, whatever it may be, and just take time to be in awe of who God is, and just know that each and every week, God invites you to this place and says, come. And each and every day, God invites you to come and to follow. And Jesus says, come and follow me. You don't have to know everything. Come on. Just come and follow. And I will teach you how to fish for people, which is our call. Amen? Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, we thank you for the gift of worship, for the opportunity to come and to gather on this day and to be thankful for who you are. Lord, to to just imagine that you call our name and that you have invited us into this place. Thank you for knowing who we are, for creating us in your beautiful image. And Lord, as we go into this week, help us to respond to something we've heard today. Help us to take intentional time to draw our attention to you. And Lord, help us to take time to, to be eager to hear a word from you. And it's in Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to stand and sing as we um, close this morning.